This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You are listening to a Real Man Wood podcast. This is Chris Liss, your host, and I'm joined by my co-host, Yahoo Sports, Dalton Del Don. Hey, man, it's been a couple weeks. We went to Vegas. We drafted a couple high-stakes leagues. A lot has happened since we last spoke. How you doing? Doing well, man. Yeah, good Good talking to you. We took last week off of the pod. It was great seeing you in Las Vegas. It's been a year since I've seen you. Good times. We'll talk about, the obviously, the Stope auction extensively. But, man, right after that, the, the, the very next morning after I got back from that Vegas trip, my wife went to Comic-Con, left me alone for four nights and five days with our two kids, and man, I went from the first the first day bragging to her, uh, texting her, saying, calling myself Mr. Mom to she couldn't get back soon enough. And I was, you know, just reexamining my, my stance on on spanking by the end of that trip. And man, it was just a to- I, I survived. But what a what a what a tough one. I'm supposed to be technically on vacation, by the way. And that was hardly one. And, and now I'm taking time out to talk to you. But man, have you ever had a, that kind of a, a stay with Sasha? I know you only have one, but, but t- let me tell you, that was difficult. Now, I usually complain after like half a day when Heather's supposed to be home at like eight and it's like nine and she's not home yet and I'm dealing and I start to complain, send her angry texts. But I'm going to have one because Heather, and this is totally stupid, but she really wants to go to her 25th college reunion. Like for me, college, like I have a few good friends that I'm still in touch with, but like most of the people in my college, Amherst College, were nutless monkeys and I didn't really like that many of them. And it was kind of a toolish scene there. I mean, I did my thing, you know, I played basketball, I definitely altered my state of consciousness maybe more than I ought to have. But um, I, uh, you know, I, didn't, I didn't think like, oh, college is so amazing. But she loved Stanford so much and she has all these friends. So she's going to leave from Portugal this fall to do it in like October. And I'm going to have like a week uh, oh. with Sasha. But, you know, Sasha's six and a half now. So, you know, she can be a pain in the ass, but it's, she's old, a little bit older. So it's easier. Like, I don't have to do everything for her. Like she can do a lot of stuff on her own. So it's not as bad. Yeah. Uh, well, well, I would be far more likely to go to a high school reunion myself. But Heather was like, you know, a tennis star there. Right. I could see why she would want to go back. Obviously, a cool city and all that as well. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, me too. High school, way better. My, I, my high school is way more real than my bullshit college. But yeah, good luck with that. That's going to be interesting. But man, two kids. Uh, I, I had some help with the in-laws. But let me tell you, I'm not not looking forward to doing that again anytime soon. So do you have any crazy Vegas stories? I mean, for me, just that auction and Jason Thornberry is, is the star of the a entire legend, a legend, Jason Thornberry. I mean, uh, we, it's funny, five minutes for this auction, you know, $10,000, uh, everyone's most, you know, it was at 12 of the 14 people there in person, you know, former NFL star tank Williams. And we don't even have an auctioneer. And I think we come up with a hundred bucks and, uh, the, the free drinks was, that was more than enough. And Thorn was fantastic. It just doesn't do it any justice. There was a, a, I believe Brad Evans had it on Stitch. A few people were watching on Twitter, but can you try to try to explain just how good this was in person? Yeah, uh, Brad was actually periscoping it live, and then I, I was kind of aghast there, when he posted periscope. it. That's what I meant, periscope. My bad. 
because I was so I was so rocked. God knows what I was saying. I totally forgot that this was being broadcast, you know, to Brad's I don't know how many thousand followers he has, but a lot. Quite a few. Quite a few. Yeah. And so like I'm like, oh shit. I, I could have said pretty much anything, but luckily it was kinda hard to hear because there's so much noise in the room. And Thornberry <laughs> was drinking vodka or gin or whatever we had. And every time he started getting more and more out of hand, which was very out of hand, like getting very dramatic about the buys. He was getting extremely excited if somebody bought a player and almost, you know, hamming it up to a level you never see. And I kept refilling his cup right. with large triple shots of more booze. And by the end, like it was a shit show. Like he was borderline blacked out auctioning out these players. I was too, but, uh, you know, I managed to really stay focused. It's really weird. Unlike other years where I lost track of my budget and didn't realize how much money I had left and made a spreadsheet error, um, I felt pretty focused. So I was happy with my team. Um, I imagine you were disappointed with yours just looking at the results, but why don't you explain what happened for you? Yeah, I have to say I wasn't boozing, but that handle, the three of you guys did have that. I'm very impressed, and you did look more coherent, I will say, than maybe, say, Evans, or at least that should be his excuse based on his results. I will give him the benefit of the doubt there, but... No, I'm pretty pumped with my team. I actually had had paid more attention and kind of gone over my rankings more so than years past at this time of year. And I had targets. A lot of times I'm just agnostic with these, but I had specific targets. So this is full 100% my fault that this team fails. I went after certain guys. Unfortunately, a couple guys I had earmarked specifically were Robbie Anderson and Marquise Goodwin, and they ended up on on your team. So that that is one of my the 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 main takeaway that bothered me the most. But that was so fun, and, and this league continues to be to be great. And uh, yeah, what was your takeaway? Do you like your team? I mean, your team's pretty bad, I, I must say. Other than those two buys, you really think my team's bad, or, you, or are you just trying to give me shit for the podcast? I'm curious. I mean, I, of course, I'm not offended whatsoever. I I know I you are. Ex- um, I'd actually prefer that you think my team's bad. But what what do uh, you think? A little of both. I really like. Um, I know it's got upside. I do like it. I, I will. I guess I have some some counters, but um. I will. Let's start with this. Um, you got Le'Veon Bell for 49, and I got Gurley for 55 much earlier in the auction, or at least earlier, I will say. And I was pretty upset with that. I thought they'd go closely. And in hindsight, I wanted to get two of those big seven backs, and I went with Kamara as my other one, kind of like Kareem Hunt, $2 cheaper. But at $49, I think I should have just got Gurley and Bell, really, with my strategy. So I do like that buy there. But Fournette, I mean, I'm not going to say 38 is a bad price, but um, – I was just uh, seeing this. You know that injury predictor, that that, that guy. Yeah, that, don't don't read into that bullshit. I just want to tell you that it came I out. I saw it. I saw it. The I first don't care. Round, he's by far the chance of injury, sixty-five point two percent projected games missed, two point nine. So you did see this, all right? So defend Fournette. The guy looked really good before suffering that ankle injury. I mean, you can throw away the yards per carry after that, as far as I'm concerned. And obviously, he looked like he could be a star in college. But man, he he really is an injury risk. Yeah, I don't know about that. That shit, you know, those things are all based on sort of generalizations, you know. So I'm not saying there's, there's no value to those kind of tools, those injury predictors, but every player is individual. You can't just generalize every running back's injury prone. The next question is, are they healthy now? The answer in Fournette's case is yes. If they're dealing with a lingering problem, okay, that's an issue. But that, that's, that's sort of inductive reasoning like, well, people in this box have been like this for this long, so look out. That would never move me off of a player. It would, it would only move me off a player if there was a specific reason in his individual case to be concerned, not a predictor that's based on general statistical things that have been the case historically. Yeah. Well, using historical de- data in, in some case uh, is interesting, but I will say last year their number one by far injury risk was LaShawn McCoy, and, and he played all 16 games. But there's some interesting stuff. I mean, the second biggest risk, they say, is Saquon Barkley, 
who stayed incredibly yeah, healthy and, throughout the reasoning, but, Yeah, their reasoning was he's a rookie. But there might be something to that past data in which it is different. Your body does transform having to play longer against bigger guys, you know? I mean, Maybe, but th- what conference were they in? How big were they? What was the usage pattern? I, right. I don't know. I just, to me, this is, this is kind of like junk science that these guys are doing, personally. I, I, again, like, I, I think, like, we've played fantasy football long enough that we have pretty good heuristics about, like, what to avoid, what not to avoid. Like Tyler Eifert and Jordan Reed, I'm not really investing in those guys. Like, I, you know, we play fantasy football long enough to know guy's been out for several years with various injuries. How often does he come back at a, at a brutal position like tight end? In fact, you made a bet against Eifert by making Croft your, one of your starting tight ends, right. two tight ends for a buck. So I actually liked that. I thought that was savvy. So. Yeah, so, so I mean, like, I don't know. I, that's not going to worry me. I think there's a legitimate case against Fournette. I think the case is maybe he's not that good. You know, maybe TJ Yeldon is decent. He's a second round pick who was from Alabama and had a pedigree. And maybe he's going to take away a lot of Fournette's pass catching upside. Now, that's only half PPR. Full PPR, I think that's a stronger case if you believe Yeldon's more than just a guy. And Jeff and I had that uh, debate on the radio. But I think Fournette's a true bell cow back. He had 268 carries last year or something in 13 games. He may, he, I mean, like, if you're going to like bet who's going to lead the NFL in carries, it'd be my two backs. Bell and Fournette probably, right? Maybe Zeke Elliott's the other one. I heard you talk about Yeldon with that, but I, I always hear a lot of buzz with Corey Grant, actually, is the guy you'd want to own if Fournette were to go go down in fantasy terms. I think Yeldon would just be one of those receiving backs that no, are down. But, like, but I, Grant doesn't affect Fournette. Grant is like what right, you pick right. up if Fournette gets hurt. But, I got but Yeldon is the guy who actually, if he's in on all third downs, that cuts down on Fournette's, you know. Makes usage. sense. So good. Those are two different things. I got, I got you. All right, so, uh, so you but, went. But, but let, me just say, let me just say, so basically – Give me the top three backs in rushes. Like, tell me who your top three would be if you were betting on who would lead. No, you know, no odds, just all even money. Who would lead the league in in just rushing attempts? Give me your name. Your names. Elliot. Um, Elliot. uh, Gurley and man, I don't know Barkley. No, look, Bell had three hundred fifteen carries in fifteen games last year. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, he stays. Yeah. Sure. Nobody has. Nobody works. Is worked harder than Bell. Nobody gets I, more carries. Yes, all right, okay, yes. Okay. And Fournette at two sixty eight in on a per in a you know per game basis, it would have to be Bell, Fournette, and Zeke. Those are the uh, three. All right, I'm sorry, I was I'm just seriously just worried about Bell injury for some reason. But fine, okay, you're right. No one in, in any case, whatever, gets worked as hard as him. That that's fair. I, I overlooked so, him. So I mean, that's fine. So okay, so so of course those yeah. guys could get hurt. Of course they could. I mean, they're running backs. But I, I'm not like they're healthy now. That's all I care about. Like if either one could get hurt, so. I don't. I don't see how you can ding the two running backs. Those are mo- two monster running backs in a fourteen-team league. Absolutely, um, Winston and Goff are your two uh, quarterbacks. Quickly, this is fourteen-team league. Two tight ends, three wide receivers, and two flex. One of them being a super flex, which is obviously key. Everyone goes, you know, must have two quarterbacks. Pretty much, you got Goff at twenty-six dollars, Winston at sixteen. Those are clearly two targets of yours, right? Uh, they're not targets, except that I get them in every league. I got them in the Beat Christmas League two days earlier, those exact two guys, because those are the guys people pass on. Now, Winston, for obvious reasons, especially in a 2QB league, basically, where he's missing th- those three games actually matter. In a 1QB league, it doesn't matter at all. But in a 2QB league, you're going to be, you know, it, it'll hurt a little bit. That's why I got some scrubs at the end. But Golf 26, I mean, you realize Golf had 8.0 YPA, right? And then they added Brandon Cooks, who always gets like at least nine yards per target, sometimes 10. So you added like a playmaker that they signed to an extension to a team that he already had, you know, 8.0 YPA with. And now he's in his second year in McVay's system and the defense is better. So it's just going to be maybe the defense makes them run a little more, but it's just going to be a 
I don't know, easy pitch and catch. I don't think golf even has to be that good to get 4,000 yeah. yards and 29 touchdowns. Yeah, um, I'm a big YPA guy, and I wonder if you are overrating it a little because he's playing so much in, in pitchers count or hitters count, I should say, kind of uh, in the past. But it might be this more of the same here. Do you do you take anything into effect the the whole worry that that they were just uh, you know kind of taking advantage of that system, calling the plays at the line of scrimmage, and that went away toward the end of the season? There is there any concern that that was so much McVay? on his shoulders and now it's going to be more on golf or you just not, not take that into account whatsoever. I think McVay is like a wizard, man. I think that guy's really sharp offensive mind. And now so he'll, he'll, figure out, he'll just figure out a different way to, to present like, him. You know, you absolutely, I mean, they're adding cooks. I just worry just there, their defense could be so dominant and they just might rely on Gurley so do, much. Do you think McVay is going to not keep the, the foot on the gas? You think he's going to be one of those guys that's like, Oh, we're up 14. It's the yeah. second quarter. I like, I'm, not, I'm not going to argue with God. I like the weapons. I mean, like, Cuff and Woods were both like top 15 in yards route per run. I mean, they're, they're good. I'm not going to argue. Goff is fine. Winston, another YPA guy. I mean, I bet you that's a bar bet you could bet. It certainly surprised me when I looked more into him. His YPA, what, in the second half last, last year was what, 8.7 or something? Yeah, he was a monster in the second half. You know, Chris Godwin's going to get a bigger role. Deshaun Jackson, you know, he may still be good. Mike Evans is still there. O.J. Howard in year two. He suspended three games, but it's not a doghouse situation because – the thing he was suspended for was bad, but it was from 2016. So it's not like he did something new that was bad. He's going to get the job back as soon as he gets in there. I don't think their defense is that good. They're going to probably have to shoot it out against some of those other offenses in the division. Um, I think for 16, it's a steal. It's just a total steal. And what's good about him missing the first three games is, A, it's pre-buy, so you, you have more bench space. Mm-hmm. And, B, um, you know, we can kind of I – I got Sam Bradford and Josh McCown, and probably one of them will start those three games, right. at least one. Perfect. And, and you kind of know, right? It's like if you were to miss three games from weeks, you know, 8 to 11, who the hell knows which quarterback's going to be starting for those teams? You can actually find $1 scrubs um, who are going to start for three games or at least one or two games. And I, maybe if I'm stuck using a non-QB and a flex for one of the games, I'll live with that. But such a discount. I mean, 16. The QBs of his level were going 25-26. Listen, getting McCown and Bradford made this is so perfect for your strategy. Um, I don't know. They, the team put out promotional videos, and they did not feature Winston whatsoever. And just this kind of a shit show. Maybe I'm overrating hard knock. That they, kept the same, they kept the same coaching staff there. I just worry about the circus there. Um, maybe I'm overrating that. But the fact that you did back them up with a couple quarterbacks makes that just so much better. And, and obviously, you're confident you can make the playoffs. You know, that's like a thing. You know, I mean, missing three games is pretty huge when the playoffs are in after 13 weeks. But Yeah, but remember, I, I still have a quarterback in the flex. You don't really care so much who. And by the way, I actually like McCown if he, if he starts week one. Sam Darnold hasn't even, hasn't even signed yet. And McCown was good last year, and the Jets receivers are actually good. Quincy and Nunwan is back. They got uh, Robbie Anderson is, looks like a star to me. They got uh, Terrell Pryor. Jermaine Curse is still there. It's actually like a decent offense. Like good. He's just bound to get hurt in 39. Obviously, he's not the future. But yeah, absolutely. For the first couple games, he might not just be a placeholder. Like he could be fine, like a league average starter for yeah, sure. Exactly. That, that was the idea. And then you look at the receivers. I got Beckham for 41. I mean, Beckham could be the number one receiver easily with yep. Bell and Fournette. This is a 14-team league. I have like many first-round picks. And then I got Robbie Anderson as my second receiver who, as I said, I, I think he's a star. Love he's it. 6'3", and he runs a 4-3-3. One of the fastest receivers in the league makes huge plays. And I got Marcus Goodwin, Marquise Goodwin in the, in the end game, mm-hmm. and he may be the number one receiver on the Niners. And if you love Jimmy G, you got to love Marquise Goodwin. And by the way, we've got to talk about what a nutless monkey you are with the Jimmy G situation because that is just truly – you know, I hope he throws 40 touchdowns and wins MVP. I don't even care if Jen Seah wins the league. I hope he wins the league. 
and right. you, and and it's just completely that that you have to live with this for the rest of your life. Well, good good one. I can't argue with there. I, I really did like that pick. But yeah, we'll get to, we'll get to my get team. To that. Uh, you but, just so, love suspensions, by the way. I remember you doing it for the uh, baseball. Either players currently hurt or suspended before the season, you would draft them. And this year, not only Winston, but you got Edelman. Hard to argue with two dollars, but still, you 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 love guys. Uh, the, the waiting game. Yeah, actually, that that baseball team is in eleventh place. Uh, yeah, that's the one that we did together, and that's a terrible team. But it's for a lot of reasons. Syndergaard was my pitcher. Stanton was my hitter. Who's Okay, but not really carrying me or anything. It was a I'm lot never of touching Syndergaard or Strasburg again. <laughs> Tell yeah. me, I mean Syndergaard. I mean, what the fuck? Strasburg, anyone on my labor team? Actually, I'm seriously not touching. Yeah, these guys. well, they're they're broken men. Yeah, that was for baseball. That was that was a not a great strategy. But this, yeah, I wasn't targeting Edelman. He was just two bucks and it stopped. And I was happy to take him. I don't even like him in half PPR. He's kind of a full PPR only play. But you know, for two bucks, of course, I'm going to take him. I got Isaiah Crowell as my third running back for three bucks. That. I don't know why it stopped there. That's the starting running back on the Jets. And yeah. as I said, the Jets might not be that bad offensively. Um, I got DJ Moore for two. I think he could be the number one guy in Carolina. I've got Josh Doxson for two. He could be the number one guy in Washington. I got Martavis Bryant for a buck. Maybe he'll get suspended. Then I'll drop him and pick up a defense, which I don't have. Uh, I just, you know, the only weakness on my team, in, in my opinion, is, is the tight ends. And, there, you know, I got Garrett Selleck, who actually I think outsnapped George Kittle for a lot of last year. And maybe Garrett Selleck is the starter, I mean, for all I know. He could even catch a couple short touchdowns. I mean, yeah, and if Kittle went down, Kittle was injured a lot last year. Even when he played, he was banged up. So, yeah. And then I mean, Tyler Croft had seven touchdowns last year. And, you know, Tyler Eifert says he's going to play, but, you know, we'll, oh, we'll, we'll, I'll believe we're going to see broken, it. Talk about broken men. No, no. Right. I mean, Eifert's done. So, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm just very pleased. I, I drank quite a bit. My strategy, I telegraphed it in the prior podcast, but basically I was going to just go big early. I didn't like any of these guys. I just took... The bidding just stopped at 41 in Beckham. It seemed fair. The bidding stopped at 49 in Bell. I was surprised. I was happy to have it. Fournette had stopped at 38. I didn't target any of these guys. Now I've talked myself into them because I have them on my team, the uh, endowment bias. Sure. But, um, but I like them. I mean, that's just was my goal is get that money out. Don't be stuck bidding on second and third tier guys and getting into bidding wars on them. Get two starting QBs. I got one in 13 sixteenths of a starting QB, and I backed it up with some scrubs, and I got lots of upside bench guys that you know could pop. So... I don't know why I don't I don't even know what argument there could be against this team. I not not only I, I just don't even see a conceivable case against it. I think like a person who understands fantasy football and the format that we do would would just look at this and say, "This is a masterpiece." Wow, well done. There's not much of a counter. I concede. You you, you are correct, uh, man. Robbie Anderson. I really wanted, like I said, and I ended up getting uh, Will Fuller for the same price. But I would trade you right now. I, I love Anderson. He, you know, he's pro- speaking of suspensions. You know, he might be due for a one or two gamer to start the year still as no, well. No, they cleared him. They totally cleared him. Nah, the league hasn't. The league hasn't. That's a totally separate thing. The, the who cares? The law has. The league hasn't cleared him yet. But you'd right. probably only get a game or two. Let's talk about your bullshit team. How how you screwed no, up big time. All right. So I was gonna I was gonna get girl. Like I said, two two. Uh, running backs and I kind of earmarked Gurley and Kamara and then pay down on uh, well the rest of my team obviously but but I wanted two definite obviously starting quarterbacks but had to pay down at the position if I'm going to go big at the running back position so that let's start there Gurley Kamara and that left me with Bortles whom I'm fine with for $18 um, and uh, Derek Carr a guy I usually trash uh, but for $15 in this format so let's start there you're going to give me a hard time Jimmy G went for 29 Oh, Definitely in hindsight with, with the way the other quarterbacks' prices went based on my quarterback board, 
Um, he went out like a sore thumb there price-wise for me. But he went – what was he, the first name drawn? I mean first name thrown out there. That was part of the problem. But mainly it was just my, my strategy. So, so go ahead and give me, give me a hard time. It's just for somebody who is talking up Jimmy G to that extent and you know, money is no object. And you have Genstad who's like a very sober-minded, uh, good DFS player, great uh, NFFC, NFBC player. And he's a Niners fan too. And you know he's going toe-to-toe. He's like, I'll go 29. And for you not to say 30, even just to bid him up, right? it's just to me, I think in the history of humanity, that may take the cake for cowardice. That may be wow, number one. Because you've accused me of quite a bit in the past. So that no, no, no. This makes your but, other stuff seem like kindergarten stuff. This is really, truly a breach. It's just a breach. You know? I believe I, I will have a few things invested in my boy Jimmy G. Uh, this. Right. Everyone, it doesn't excuse it. It doesn't excuse it. I don't, I don't know. That was very disappointing to see him go for such a reasonable amount. But I can't argue with the actual quarterbacks you got. I mean, Carr at 15 is a great deal. I mean, I have Winston at 16. Carr's not even suspended. So I think I would take Carr straight up over him because even if I have McCown or whoever helping me out, you know, that's extra roster spots. You know, that's extra space that I could have for other upside guys that I don't have because it's clogged up with these scrub QBs that I need for a few weeks. So I, I think Carr is a, a great buy. I'm surprised he went that cheap. I was already, like, locked in to most of my players at that point. Bortles at 18, I think, is also good. I mean, he's the unquestioned starter there. He gets rushing yards. And, you know, he played well enough in the playoffs. I don't see any real threat to his job. I think that's fine. So I thought that was your best. That was you at your best. Everything else kind of is bad about your team, but your, the, the values you got in your quarterbacks were very good, and I would not criticize them. Yeah, I like Keelan Cole there, and they really put the you know the they 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 learned that you have to put the the foot on the pedal a little bit because they just went in that shell in the fourth quarter against the Patriots, you know, just totally. Then they might let let Bortles a little bit more loose, but that was just more value. Obviously, I don't think Bortles' upside is obviously limited given their defense and and running back situation. But what are your thoughts on going big at running back, spending ninety nine dollars out of two hundred on Gurley and Kamara? Yeah, I think you overpaid for Gurley a little bit. I I really like you got Bell for forty nine. It's hard to argue. But even better than that, I, I think uh, the steal was Kareem Hunt. Somebody got Kareem Hunt for like 41 or something. 42. Yeah, 42. 42. And Kareem Hunt is just, just as yep. much of a stud as any – it was Genstad. Just as much of a stud as any of these guys. You went after I got that, this. You know, honestly, like if I were to have paid up instead of Fournette, it would be Kareem Hunt or paid down instead of Bell. That's the guy yeah. that was really the best value. So you, you overpaid. And Kamara – I mean, Mark Ingram is coming back. They're not going to get six – he's not going to get six point, point something yards per carry again, Kamara, this year. And in a, in a full PPR, I could see it. But in a half PPR, I don't know. It's, it's pushing it to put him at yeah, 44. Obviously, some TD regression is coming there. But they might have the best offensive line in football. And I project them at 11, 12 games. I just really like that setup there. And I, a couple guys we d- disagree on. I'll tell you on. what. I'll tell you what. You I'll like Ingram Let's do a bet. Let's do a bet. All right. Let's, um, why don't you give me five to four odds. I get Fournette. You get Kamara. More points in this format. Oh, okay. Sure. Okay, because, you know, Fournette was cheaper. Yeah. So you're 50 against my 40. Yeah, that's done. Okay, yeah. done. You got, you got Kamara, I got Fournette, and it's just full season points. Yeah, you like Ingram a little more than me, and I like Rex Burkhead certainly more than you do. So, so I ended up with those two backs. Um, those are all, all fair, uh, and I totally would not disagree with the Kareem Hunt price. He went after I owned those two. But, yeah, I, I really would, would do that trade, especially $2 cheaper there. So I got um I got Jay Ajayi, another guy I don't think you're too high on for 21, another uh, target of mine, and Burkhead as a bench player for 11. Um, so I, I look at that and I do the price. I could trade right there Burkhead and Bortles. 
twenty nine dollars I could have turned into Jimmy G. So well, you couldn't I, have because you would have had to go thirty, and who knows right, if Jim said right, not right. being the nutless monkey that you are when he said thirty one. You know, you you don't know for sure. So so Ajayi and Burkhead, I, I I feel like you do not like them. Certainly not as much as I do because those were specific targets. I, I got Ajayi for twenty one and Burkhead for eleven. I think Ajayi's fine. There's upside, and again, half PPR I can see it. Full PPR like in the NFBC, I don't see it. Like mm-hmm. I don't. The, the upside is really limited compared to the true pass catching running backs. But in in half PPR. He could be an early down monster and be really good. I just think the Eagles will mix it up because there's no reason not to. They can. They will. Burkhead, I mean, I just, yeah. I, I don't mind Ajayi 21. Burkhead at 11 is way too much. To me, he's a $4 player. You start yeah. to make him an $11 player, you're like, you're, you're counting on something that you're, that you're hoping for, but it may or may not happen. Uh, maybe he'll get hurt. He's never had more than like 400 rushing yards or whatever. But, I mean, he has the, the Patriots trust. They re-signed him. This is not Mike Gillespie. They Gillespie's drafted team. a back in the first round. He has a bunch of fumbles. I like Michelle. And, and I think both ha- can be top and, 25 fantasy backs easy. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, the Patriots I, offense without Amon, Amendola, without Brandon Cooks, with yeah, Edelman. Here's, here's what I'll bet you. Here's what I'll bet you. Get, Burkett. in the twilight. He's just totally chilling for the playoffs. I mean, they're going to have to dump it off to these backs like every other play. Here, here's what I'll, I'll bet on Burkhead. How much you want to bet? You got to give me some odds or whatever. We got to figure this out that Burkhead is not a top 40 running back. Okay. What, what do you think are fair odds? I don't know. I got to think about it because I, I'd have to think, you know, because obviously, like, if he gets hurt, you just lose right away. So it might be even money. I don't know. But I just think there's a really good chance. I'm not saying Burkhead couldn't be valuable, but. That's a guy that's a lottery ticket. I mean, I, I think there's an v- excellent chance that he has very marginal value, and the value he does get is on your bench most of the time. Like, he unpredictably scores three TDs in a that game. That is possible. Obviously, you're playing with fire with Patriots and Jeff. Yeah, just, I, I, just, a, I, just a terrible $11 buy. Yeah, Ajayi, really, Ajayi, I could see. I mean, because Ajayi has a floor, and there's a decent ceiling, and it's, it's not full PPR. So I can, the Ajayi thing, I don't really have a problem with. Okay. It's not the guy I would have targeted, but it's fine. Yeah. Well, I, I, I was filled up there uh, with both the flexes, and I bought a uh, Burkhead for 11 as my bench player on purpose. So, so we're definitely going, uh, you know, I, I, that was a, a guy I targeted. So I'm huge, definitely huge, huge opposite, error. Opposite of you. So, and then Aguilar for two. Uh, I really, okay, so I really wanted Fuller for seven. He's a guy I targeted, but I, I, like I said, I would definitely trade Robbie Anderson for you. Marvin Jones for 11. I mean, I get the, the, the Galladay stuff when he, when he played, it took away, but, but man, $11, that is quite a discount for a player in his prime who just got 1,100 yards and nine touchdowns. What, where, where do you stand on, on, on Marvin? That looks like a good buy to me. I mean, you know, he is right over the curve. Like, I feel like you want to bid big in these auctions on first, second, third round players. Like, you want to bid, like, major, most of your money. And then you just wait because you can st- sneak in guys like Robbie Anderson and Marquise Goodwin and, you know, Julian Edelman and... DJ Morris for a buck or two. So you want to wait. So I usually avoid the, the Jones tier because people are paying 17, 18 for them in this format. But at 11, I, I like it. I mean, at 11, he's, he's better and more solid than, you know, some of those guys. I mean, I have him ahead of Mark. He's given barely, but I have him ahead of him. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm fine with that. I think 11 is a good price for Marvin Jones. He's pretty reliable and they don't really have a tight end anymore. So yeah, I was going to say, I mean, not that Ebron was a monster in the red zone, but, I mean, he's gone. Maybe Blunt still does all the red zone touchdowns, but, I mean, they got Tate there and, like, Galladay. I mean, Marvin Jones is 28 years old, 6'2", 200. Again, 1,100 yards, nine touchdowns last year going for 11 bucks. So, I, I just – he was not a target, but I'll take him at that price. Tyler Lockett was a target for three. Um, I could have gone force. I really risked it there before was my max, but no one did go higher. Uh, you know, now all the, the the targets missing in Seattle. I, I do love Doug Baldwin, but the team's going to try to run the ball, and I really worry about Schottenheimer there calling the plays. But the defense really regressing. Now, Earl Thomas might leave. 
Lockett, who knows? Uh, he says that he's never even close to his, his self last year, his true self. The leg injury is behind him. Three bucks, I think. Maybe he's just one of these deep threat, one-trick pony guys. But to me, in that situation, that setup, I really like Lockett. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm not sure that the ship has sailed on him. Like, he looked like he might be okay as a rookie, never stayed healthy, never really got integrated in the offense. I wouldn't be surprised if Brandon Marshall or Jerron oh, Brown oh, or one oh. of the. Oh, Brandon Marshall. Wow. All right. I'm just saying one of those guys ends up like being the number two because Doug Baldwin's also small and pretty fast. Right. So I, I don't know. I, I'm just not. It's possible that he becomes sort of the Marquise Goodwin for Russell Wilson. It's possible. I'm just not sure that, that he's mu- not much more than like a glorified kick returner. Okay, you know? so that game- I guess the upside is Deshaun Jackson. That's like locking yeah. stuff. He's not as fast as Deshaun Jackson. He's more like a four four, I think, not a four three or four two seven. So I'm not a big Lockett guy. Will Fuller, I feel like is there's upside. He really was good when with Watson when he came back. It was the touchdown rate was ridiculous. Obviously not sustainable, but I think Will Fuller has a better chance to be a legit Marquise Goodwin, Deshaun Jackson. Like there's actually like if he's healthy and Watson's healthy, he probably will be that. He probably will get like seven touchdowns or eight touchdowns and a thousand yards. Yeah, know? obviously the, the TDs per reception are, are crazy due to regress. But yeah, I mean this guy could be a monster. Uh, obviously the drops should be good. Yeah, so was, that's a lot of upside there. I like Aguilar for $2. He's the guy that why I wanted to save that buck, not going my max on Lockett. Um, but apparently I have him ranked a little higher than most. Uh, I know the another guy with a lot more TDs than, than, than targets uh, last year, but still entering his fourth year in the league, a former first-round pick. Alshon Jeffrey not only used to be injured a bunch in the past, but he was extremely inefficient last year. Maybe I guess he was playing through that shoulder injury, so maybe that can be all excused. But this is a team that just won the Super Bowl that's highly innovative, a terrific offensive mind, and, and Aguilar is just an afterthought. I mean, t- tell me why I'm wrong. No, I can see a case for it. I mean, it's just they, they added Mike Wallace, who I think will run the deep right. routes. And then you have right. Jeffrey as their main guy. And you got Ertz as their red zone guy. And you you know, the throw to the backs a little bit. And just spread it around a lot. So the ceiling's a little bit capped, I think. But if there's some injuries, and there always are, and Aguilar is like a featured guy, then, yeah, I mean, there's, there's certainly up Yeah, there always are. Yeah, I'll take a clear number two guy in a, in a Super Bowl winning team just now entering his prime, coming off eight, eight touchdowns for uh, for two bucks. But, uh all right, that's most of my uh, my team. Really, just one buck guys. Like after this conversation, you still think your team is better than mine? Uh, Murray, the Latavius Murray. I mean, what if Dalvin Cooks goes down coming off a torn ACL? I mean, he could be a monster. That, that the my, Vikings probably the best roster in the NFL, and just added Kirk Cousins. I mean, Murray for a buck? You kidding me? Yeah, I hear you. Uh, just, you know, if he, 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 he needs a goal line guy now, even even with the help. Yeah, but he needs an injury to to be playable in this league. Okay, but but and if there is one, what would he be ranked? Uh, top, uh, he'd be uh, top fifteen fantasy back. I mean, that's conservative. Yeah, top twenty. I mean, yeah, he'd be somewhere in there. I mean, right. they'd, they'd bring in a pass catcher to spell him and stuff. But so, what what bet did we make officially? So we can go on record. Two hundred. Two hundred. All right. And did we did we make that? I forget if someone wins. Was it five hundred? Did we do that or no? No, we said if if you win, you're getting paid enough anyway. Right. We're not gonna. That's true. That's true. All right. If you want to keep it at just two hundred, that's fine, and I understand. Yeah, let's do a 200. No, I understand why you wouldn't want to go higher. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like saying, oh, you, you want, what do you want to do, 500? Let's do 10,000. Let's make it 10,000. Yeah, no, 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 ex- I understand. I understand. It's exactly like saying that. Uh, you wouldn't even buy my dinner at uh, Lotus of Siam. How good was that, by the way? Man, that's just so ridiculous. If anyone's been to Las Vegas and not Lotus of Siam, it's the best uh, ridiculous. Best thai, I said best Thai food, not just in the country, best Thai food in the world. It's the best food in the world. Forget about <laughs> Thai food. Listen, we, I went back. I made. Uh, oh, did you? We had this sort of like partner meeting uh, in, on Wednesday, and they were like, "Where do you want to go?" We checked out of our hotel, 
I oh, know we didn't check out because I, I left Tuesday, but we were like, you know, out of the rooms that we're in. I was like, let's just go to Lotus. And like Herb does not like, you know, Herb likes very plain food, doesn't like spicy. But I convinced them to go. And even Herb was like, this is good. So I, good. Got, I got them. To, we went again. I would go again. You know, I would have gone every day. There's no point. You know, that Giada meal we had was fucking terrible. Yeah, that was you know, very mediocre. So yeah, expensive. It was so expensive. It was like 900 something dollars for seven of us. And it wasn't good. It was fine. I mean, the lamb was fine, but like, you know, they're just idiots too. They were like, oh, gluten free, sir. Yeah, we'll take the crust off the lamb. Okay, great. And they put the shit on a bed of wheat. And I was just so wasted from the auction that I didn't really say anything. But if I were sober, I'd be like, what are you doing? Like, it's, it's fine if a restaurant, a diner, you know, screws up your order or like something. You just say, hey, sorry, can you fix it? And nice about it. But when they're charging you $60, $70 for an entree, just don't fuck it up. You know, it's just not like there's a higher standard when the prices are higher. Yeah, my rack of my rack of lamb was not medium rare. It was yours. It was it was overcooked it was a little. It was my, you know it was good. The quality of the meat was good, but no, it was fine. It was fine. I went and told the waitress. I was like, we, we, someone else sat down because Stopa got there late, and then she just didn't even. I meant, I meant, you know, twenty minutes later, I'm like, I meant they wanted an order as well, but they were a little bit messed and, up. And, and yeah, and Giada and my friend worked with her. I don't want to out my friend too much, but worked with her in some capacity on her TV show and said she was not. Not a nice person at all. Uh, so okay. I already had a negative bias going in. And then the other thing, and this isn't just uh, particular to them, but it, it did happen um, when I went to uh, br- breakfast on Sunday there because it was the only restaurant in the hotel uh, in the Cromwell. Uh, yeah. I went in and I was like, hey, uh, just one for breakfast. And they're like, okay, sir, it's like a 20-minute wait. I'm like, okay. really? Well, you there's love no- this. Uh, yeah, I've heard this before from you. Yeah. yeah no. like, Re- really? It's a 20-minute wait? Well, there's a lot of empty tables, I see. No, sir, it's a 20-minute wait. You can sit at the bar. So, of course, I sat at the bar, and it took, like, forever. It took, like, 50 minutes to get my breakfast. And I don't know why. The restaurant wasn't that full. Tons of empty tables. The bar was reasonably full. It wasn't even totally full. And it's like they do this in Vegas all the time. They act like their restaurant is exclusive, and they tell you you have to wait, even though there's nobody sitting there, and there's empty tables. And they do that just to give the vibe of, like, oh, no, no, no. You can't just walk right into this restaurant. It's too in demand. Dude, I can fucking see that it is not in demand. I can see it. You're not fooling anybody. All you're doing is being an asshole and not letting me sit at a comfortable table, which I would like and which is available to have my meal. It's just fucking stupid. It's like the emperor has no clothes. I can see that you have no clothes. I can see that there are not patrons at the table. All you're doing is making yourself look stupid and pathetic by not acknowledging that you have empty tables. Big deal. It's hard to run a restaurant. It's hard to fill the seats. It'd be better if you cooked the lamb right. It'd be better if you weren't charging so much for mediocre food. It'd be better if you realized the person asked for it gluten-free and not serve the uh, crust-removed lamb on a bed of gluten noodles or whatever <laughs> it was, you know, gluten grains. But, you know, even so, it's hard running a restaurant. There's no shame in having empty tables. But just why are you lying to my face that there's no tables? It's just amazing. It's just amazing how stupid that technique uh, yeah. is. Yeah. Who does that work on? On whom does that technique work? Nobody. No idea. It happened to me multiple times this trip alone. It's, it's infuriating. Uh, Lotus of Siam, go there. I love how they ask you scale of 1 to 10 heat on every item you order. I think the three of us, me and Stopa, ordered enough for about six, probably twice. Uh, it, was a, it was a disgusting yeah. We didn't even get of the table. Gluttony. We just sat at this table by the bar because we didn't want to wait two hours. And so it was pretty hilarious watching them put – I ordered a sweet and sour hot soup that came aflame, you know, that's like this massive thing. That, that's so good. The beef jerky, crispy duck, everything amazing. The bamboo sheets you got, that that place cannot recommend enough. But let me, let me circle back. Well, the difference between that place is it actually is full. 
Like they're not just bullshitting you. They'll seat you as soon as it's available. They just really, literally, is no table. It's an hour wait for a table. So we we got lucky and got like a sofa to eat on. Right in though, and they handled it. You know, I mean that. So that worked fine. But let me finish. I actually want to finish my the Stopa team before I throw a couple more themes uh, before we wrap this up. Is my my tight ends? I did not go as cheap as you. I went David Injoku and Ben Watson. Um, whom I kind of like. I mean, what if there's a problem? I mean, I guess I can actually was what I was going to go with next is Josh Gordon. Talk about that situation. Obviously, I hope he returns today. But if not, that would benefit Njoku, a guy second year in the league. Uh, who knows the breakout? But Watson, he was just whatever a price. Watson was a target of mine. A 37 year old. No one wants a boring tight end like that. But last time he was with Drew Brees just two years ago, he had like 800 yards, eight touchdowns. His game speed last year was, was just fine. It killed Gronkowski's. Uh, they lost what they released uh, Fleener. I don't know. I think that whole that team what they led the uh, NFL in YPA last year while setting NFL record and completion percentage. I think they're due for some TD regression. I really like Ben Watson for three dollars in a league that starts two tight ends. Yeah, I thought that was a good buy. I thought you did well with the tight ends and well with the quarterbacks. Like you, got, but they're not like they're all scrubs, but they're like <laughs> quality scrubs at good prices. I think the rest of your team is pretty much garbage, but I thought you did well with those two tight ends. I mean, you know, you either want to go big. Or you want to go a dollar each like I did, or you want to get a couple of values. You know, I mean, you don't want to pay up for like the Jimmy Grahams of the league, in my opinion. That's a mistake. Gotcha. All right. All right. So I think it's clear that uh, Gurley and Kamara, unstoppable combo. And uh, I clearly won this this auction. And uh, But yeah, talk more about Josh Gordon, though. What, I mean, I'm sure you have on the XM show, but I guess there's not much to say. But actually, actually, there was a tweet you made that you should highlight here. Well, I was just saying that like basically he's off his meds is what's going on. People are like, oh, does he have a relapse? No, he didn't actually... To my knowledge, he didn't actually like smoke weed or get drunk or do any drugs. He just started to freak out. And then uh, it seemed like he started to freak out about the upcoming season or about whatever was going on in his life and then sort of went to get help. Didn't just go back to training camp and try to power through it because he couldn't. And my argument, and this is, I actually made this point many times before this, is that he's off his meds. Like his meds were weed and booze. And he actually was able to use weed and booze effectively in 2013 to put up Hall of Fame numbers. He led the NFL in receiving at age 22 with garbage QBs in 14 games. That's a Hall of Fame level all-time great season that he put up self-medicating with weed and booze. He admitted later that he was drunk and stoned from during the game. He was on medication that he needed to focus, to do what he needed to do to play pro football. Now, people all over the country are on fucking Xanax and clonopin and fucking all sorts of shit to function at their jobs that's routine they're on all kinds of medication and josh gordon you know being a kid who probably didn't have access to that stuff probably didn't have a psychopharmacologist as a kid or a teenager figured out his own combination of medication and made it work but it's illegal in the nfl and also there's side effects of being wasted all the time so he flamed out got in trouble with the league and now he doesn't use that medication because he's trying to do it the way the league wants to do it. So, okay, so he fl- he's off his meds. He's having trouble dealing with the anxiety. And I, I, I said this, and I wasn't joking, where it was like, if you can perform drunk and high, that's great. But the idea that, oh, he's going to be even better now that he's sober is not a leap that I would make because just, you know, there might be a reason he was drunk and high. You know, it might be dealing with some anxiety, some demons he has, and keeping those in check so that he can actually just play football. And now that he doesn't have those substances... Who knows? You know, hopefully he can find a substitute that's legal or even better, much better, but it's hard to do, be able to process the emotions and the anxiety without the help of chemicals. Most people don't do that. Most successful, rich, corporate, 
NFL owner type people don't do that. Almost none of them do. Most of them are on something or other. And so I'm sure. So, you know, I hope he I hope he's able to do it. And I hope he at least finds the right drug cocktail from the big pharma or whatever they're going to give him. Yeah, I hope he got it as well. But I'm, I'm seriously worried. I'm not drafting him anywhere before the fifth round. Yeah. It's it's not easy to have found a, a, a medical you know, cocktail that works for you and then say, oh, no, no, you can't use that anymore. It's against the rules. No, I totally agree with you, and I'm rooting for him. And, uh, yeah, sadly, I'm sure the media and just general public is going to treat this differently and certainly they, not. They, they, act like, they act like, oh, what a fucking idiot. He got baked again. He got suspended again. What a moron. But it's like maybe or maybe like that's just medication that he needs for his anxiety, and he hasn't found a good substitute. And so maybe getting baked again, like it's not just like he's just some idiot, but he's actually – you know, was able to perform at a level in his job better than any of us probably in our whole lives will perform at our jobs. No question. And yeah. so it's kind of like, well, all right. So he's kind of doesn't know what else to do. You know, so I, I just think it's just so funny, the narrative that people have of why these players are doing what they do. Now, look, I like to party. I like to ingest uh, things that change my uh, state of consciousness from time to time. And I don't judge it at all. But it might not be that someone who has that much at stake who's still doing that is just doing it because he's an idiot like us. It might be because there's actually a reason that he's doing it. Right. No, that all makes sense to me. And I just think it's, it's sad how the narrative is going to be completely different than that. But on a different note, you want to hype the uh, Rotowire redesign? I just saw that was What was, do you think? It was released. It looks great. I just saw it right before we, we came on air. So I haven't been able to play around with it much. But it looks, it looks sick. It looks, it looks really nice. Yeah, one of the big things is we found out, and I never do this, but I guess young people do this. They check out everything on their phones. Yeah, and the old uh. site wasn't optimized for phones, so it wasn't great. And now it's totally, it's you know we kind of had the, the hybrid, and this is why it took so long, it took so much work to make it really good on the web on the desktop, but also show up and look great on the phones and have all the tables convert and everything, sort of work on both platforms. So that was the idea. I think it's better. We're still like working out, going through it, working out bugs. I'm emailing all this advice like, hey, can we add this here? Can we add that? Because it's totally new. But uh, rotowire.com/pod totally redesigned site. Got so much shit you listen to this podcast and don't subscribe which probably doesn't describe that many of you definitely check it out free for 10 days you don't need a credit card um by the way let's take a pause to put in our ad last last week i did this and i guessed wrong i put the ad in the wrong place but maybe let's do a little bit longer pause and i'll be able to find it support for this podcast comes from u.s bank when you're looking for a credit card get one that wins awards the U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best of Awards winner for Best 0% Intro APR and Balance Transfer Credit Card. It provides a great way to pay for large purchases over time, as well as consolidating other card balances. And speaking of award winners, the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best Credit Card for Dining Out or Ordering In. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. Get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. If you're into cashback or travel rewards, U.S. Bank has credit cards that feature those benefits, too. Check out their full suite of credit cards at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. All right. I hope you enjoyed that message. I have no idea what it is, and this may or may not be where the message actually is. Real man just puts it anywhere, right? I did, basically, last time. Yeah, I did. Yeah. 
All right. Well, I only got one thing for you left, and that's uh, the the TV show Who Is America. I brought it up briefly last pod, I think, uh, but it's aired two episodes since. Have you heard about this? I assume you have. Yes. The Sasha no, Baron never Baron heard Cohen. of it. Who Is America? I never heard of it. Okay. Sasha Baron Cohen. Um, he's uh, uh, okay. I just didn't know the title. Yeah, you did talk about it. It's titled, and and man, I really love the show. Nathan for you and Nathan Fielder's a writer on this. Like two of my favorite comedians. It's been a uh, it's lived up to the hype despite some poor reviews. But man, I, I just think it's been really funny. I mean, there's this one character who's like a Hillary supporter and the, and the first skit there is he's talking to Bernie and he tells him that Obamacare B- Obamacare's the reason he got sick you know he's perfectly fine his whole life and then as soon as Obamacare comes he uh he goes and sees a doctor and he's diagnosed with diabetes one and two so he blames uh he blames that part on uh on Obamacare but really have you not heard about this Georgia lawmaker who who had to resign for you know showing his bare ass and and, and saying uh horrible things I mean this just happened today this is purely because of this show airing Sunday night a Georgia lawmaker had to resign today. I mean, I respect that he showed his bare ass. I don't see that he should he shouldn't have to resign because of that. Okay, so you you, you want to defend the real man, All right? Anyway, so I, don't, this I show, don't know what he said, but yeah, just in terms of pure know. action, I I, yeah. I support that. He earns my vote on that basis alone, yeah, regardless. Okay. There you go. Fair, fair enough. All right. So, who is America? Showtime. It's uh, if you liked Ali G and uh, making uh, politicians look silly, it's uh, it's for you. But that's all I got. And even anything politically, well, do you have anything on on board for us this week, Liz? Not really. No. There's nothing really jumping out at me that's important. Well, it's been two whole weeks. And I, I, mean, I did. Well, I did go on a rant today about because Jeff and I got into an argument on the air. Not an argument, but like Jeff was trying to say, where, where was this? How did we get? Oh, because you know Julio Jones is uh, reportedly holding out, and you know we're trying to say like some people like back in the day when there was a strike and the owners versus the players, people sided with the owners like in the 80s when there was the the playing the players the stoppage, and. And I said, you know, people decry social media and all the fake news that's there, but I really think, like, the journalists, the gatekeepers, are no longer the gatekeepers. And you had so many nutless monkey, agenda-driven journalists. I'm not saying all journalists are like that, but many, many are. I'd say the majority, in my opinion. So that, like, back in the 80s, if the ownership wanted to put out stories about how the players were greedy and this and that, that was the way, that was the take. You know, that was the main take. And then the, the public was like, these greedy players, I mean, they should just be playing. Right. And now I think, like, the journalists don't control the dialogue anymore in the way that they did. They still you know, have influence. I mean, if you write something in the New York Times or you're on CNN or something, you have some influence over some people who still watch that shit. But, like, you know, you have less influence over the narrative. So I think that the that people are way more for, like, the Julio Jones is holding out and getting theirs. You can, right. The ownership cannot just sort of, like, use a friendly writer that they give access to and plan. I mean, they'll try, but it, they can't control it as much. And I think that's a good thing, right? I mean, there's a lot of bad information on Twitter and Facebook, but the fact that people can control the narrative is a good thing. Well, and, yeah, 10 years ago, everyone just thought the owners were, were in the right, pretty much blindly, right? Exactly. And, and there was, that wasn't by accident. That was because they controlled the narrative because they could easily talk to their friends who own the newspapers or you know, have friendly writers and, and you know, give them stories and feed their message out there, basically. And uh, you know, the writers knew where their bread was buttered and how to frame it. Players didn't have power. The owners did I mean, it started spilling. I don't exactly remember how, but how in like, you know, the whole national anthem controversy and how, you know, oh, oh, Jeff was like, well, not everyone agrees with you about that with Julio Jones. And I said, well, you know, he, he was saying I was in kind of a bubble. And I'm like, well, it's true that like I grew up in New York City, went to college in the East Coast, New England. Like most of my circle is mostly pretty liberal, you know, liberal, centrist liberal. And even in work, like I would say, like most fantasy sports people are on the liberal side. Their media usually have the kind of education that I did. 
And so they're all mostly, so that's like my main circle. But I also interact with plenty of, you know, libertarians and conservatives and independents and people who don't label themselves at all. And in my opinion, like most of those guys also agree that the players can just should get what they can get. And that, the, and that even the people that, that, you know, that whole sort of phantom, oh, assholes who think Julio Jones, you know, should take one for the team. That's always like they'll point to one tweet and everyone will pile on that tweet like, look at this fucking idiot, as if that's the mainstream opinion. And I always feel like, no, that's, that was the mainstream opinion, but almost everybody I know, if I were to tweet out, Julio should just obviously hold out and get what he deserves, 90% of the tweets would be in support of that. 90% of the feedback. Don't you agree with that? Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Only 10% would be like, he's under contract, right? Like, it would be a very... Today, yeah, I agree with today, that. Today, right? And so then we started talking about the National Anthem thing. He's like, well, you know, that, and not everyone agrees with you on that. And I, and I started saying, like, nobody gives a fuck about that. Yeah, there's some random people who that's their issue. What oh, Jeff yeah. is saying, though, maybe, though, is just that your followers, because I, I do. The, that's I what do, he's saying. Uh, yeah, what I can. I mean, I understand that. But I do also think the, the yeah, I'm going to be, be with you here on this flag thing for sure. Because, I, yeah, look, so my followers mostly think, yeah, who gives a fuck about the national anthem? Like, how little do you care about this debate? Like, how little, and I'm saying it's not even, and, and he was kind of like, well, you know, there's cons- people you don't follow that care about it. I'm like, I don't think so. I think there's some bots out there that are, care about it. I think there's like a very small minority of people on any political stripe actually give a shit whether someone's standing or kneeling for the anthem. They just could not give a fuck. They want to see a good game. They want to see their fantasy team win. They want to see the team they bet on cover the spread. They want to see, um, you know, fucking the country do well, have health care that's affordable, you know, not be in some stupid war that destroys the fucking earth and uh, depletes us of all of our resources. That's the shit people care about. Nobody gives a fuck about who's sitting. It's just some, it's just a bullshit, the whole thing, man, the whole thing. And I just, um, anyway. Yeah, not to, not to shit on your point. This is funny that I, last week I was sitting uh, with my, on the way home from Vegas, actually, I stopped and my, my grandpa turned 96 years old and his uh, wife uh, was bringing up how Kaepernick should have been punished for what he did. Her, uh, her grandson's like in, you know, in military and stuff. And I'm like, well. How much more could he be punished other than imprisonment than being blackballed from his job? I mean, his career is over, you know, but that uh, that was great. Me arguing with my Nana over over that in front of my 96 year old grandpa. But that's neither here nor there. And I do believe she might be in the minority of which you are saying. And absolutely. I don't think people give a shit in general because of that. And that's just in the past. So I'm with you there. And also, I just want to follow up on that uh, list. Is it possible to live in today's world and not be labeled like a, a lib or a. Republican or a libertarian? I mean, is it possible to just not be labeled? Yeah. I mean, I, I, someone may try to label you because if you argue one thing, they'll say, oh, you're with them. You know, mm-hmm. if, if, I, if I say, well, you really think North, the meeting with North Korea is bad? They're like, what, are you a Trump supporter now? You know, it's like, no, I didn't say that, but I, you so, can label so, me, but I'm is, not labeling myself that. I'm not so like, what you're saying, though, is you're agreeing that it is increasingly difficult. No, I think it's, I don't label myself. You know, right. I don't, I don't. Okay. And so if other, pe- other people can think whatever they want, right. They could label you anything. Like I'm like not an Obama fan at all. And they were saying, oh, he's a communist. No, he's not a communist at all. You know, like they would label him that it doesn't mean it's true. You could still be like, yeah, that's idiotic, but you can't, you, you literally can't care about what other people are labeling you. Right. No. I mean, you, it, it doesn't matter. Yes. I think you can easily go through life looking at, situations knowing that you have flaws biases and misperceptions and uh, not identify with a particular tribe or group and not give a shit about their norms or what they think 
I think you could do that easily. I, it doesn't mean other people won't try to do it to right. you, but who gives a fuck? They, they have no control over you. Well, that's exactly my outlook. So I don't know what that says, uh, but uh, that's, that's where I am. So interesting that you agree. And that's all I got. Liz, what, what you have anything? Nope, that's it. Um, if Again, we had a redesigned site. Uh, it would be great if people signed up. You can try it for free, rotowire.com slash pod. You can also rate the podcast, uh, give it five stars, comment uh, negatively on Dalton's Stopa team and the fact that he did not uh, take Jimmy Garoppolo, even though I, I'm pretty sure we have audio from a prior podcast saying that you money was no object and that you were definitely going to get Garoppolo no matter how much it cost. Garoppolo's the man. There's a feature of him right now on Bleacher Report. Everyone should read it. He's going to win MVP this season. I love him to death. All right. On that note, we'll leave it on that note. You who let him go for 29. We will uh, catch up next week, man. Take it easy. Later, Liz.